0: Welcome to Lamb of God Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Father, we pray that you would come in power in your word and transform our hearts by Matthew's words and Isaiah's words and Jesus' words today. Transform us, Lord, that we might come to a place of an intimate, loving relationship with you and not be bound by our disappointments, our expectations, uh, Lord, and our confusions. But, Lord, we be released to trust you, to find you as our all in all, as our Messiah, our anointed one, the one who has set us free to walk with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're in the gospel reading today, and we're going to be in Matthew 11. We're going to deal with expectations. John's Expectations. Jesus expectations and our expectations. If you uh, lived any length of time, you faced disappointment, you you thought something was going to happen, you thought somebody would do something for you, you thought uh, you might get a raise, you might uh, get a promotion, and it didn't happen. You thought you might get a new job, and it didn't happen. You thought that The professor is going to work things out for you with your class, with some maybe some problems or issues you needed some help with, and it didn't happen. Uh, Expectations there could be ministry expectations, expectations that you think that God will um, change someone, do something, open a door, and it doesn't happen quite when and where and how you expect it to. Remember, uh, just a couple years ago, I was up for the same job two years in a row. I was told that I had the position. And within the week of starting, I was uh, told that there was no room for that position. And I had prayed about it several times a day for months about God opening this door. And so we, what do we do? How do we respond when we're disappointed, when our expectations aren't met? Because um, that's going to say a, long, a lot about you in the, as you grow older. As you mature in Christ, it's going to determine whether you mature in Christ or not. How you respond to expectations, disappointments, trials, people's letdowns. How do you respond to those? Are you going to stay hung up on them, think about them all the time, develop some bitterness, maybe toward people and the Lord? Or are you going to say, Thank you, Jesus? You're going to be able to say, uh, Disappointment is His appointment. No good thing will He withhold. From denials, oft we gather treasures of His love untold. For we know from each broken purpose leads to fuller, deeper trust. And from the end to the beginning proves that our God is wise and just. So we special choices we need to make when we're faced with expectations that are not met. Okay. So holy expectations for the tape. And Matthew chapter 11 is our text. Let's look at it again. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John heard in prison what Jesus was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect another? Why would he ask such a question? Is why, As a reader, you need to ask of yourself as you're reading it. Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you see and hear blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. There's a lot of questions being asked, there's a lot of statements being made, and often if you don't know your Old Testament background, you might miss the significance of some of these questions and some of the responses. So first of all, we have John's ministry, and we know from Matthew 10 that it was a powerful ministry that uh, people were coming down to Jordan to hear him speak. And one of the things that he uh, uh, was announcing was the way of the Lord. He was announcing the coming Messiah. And some of the terms that he used were like the axe is being laid at the root of the tree. The chaff is being burned up by the fire. If there's no, and he's declaring to those who are religiously hypocrites, you brood of vipers. And that's not going to go to a well in our Twitter world. Just imagine John the Baptist has an account on Twitter. And it responds to someone's uh, tweets, "Uh, uh, you brood of vipers. Vipers are snakes. And the young, when they're born, consume their mother. So you're treacherous. You don't have any loyalty. That's what he called the Pharisees and Sadducees. So what John is expecting, his expectations, is he's rightfully expecting a Messiah to come. He's rightfully expecting uh, the Lamb of God. And if he points him out at Jesus' baptism, this is the Messiah, this is the Lamb, this is the one who is to come, this is the one who's going to fulfill the expectations. John's emphasis in his ministry, though, is judgment and repentance. God's going to put all things to right, and he's going to correct all the errors, all the injustices, and expose people's hearts who are living hypocritical and devious lives. So we know from Matthew 4 that John has an expectation. The expectation is, is when Messiah comes, he's going to put all things to rights and he's going to bring judgment on those who do not have have a heart for the Lord, for walking in hypocrisy, pretending to be lovers of God, and yet in their heart, they're just manipulating religion for their own purposes. Whether they be conservative Pharisees or whether they be liberal Sadducees. So there's expectation. Okay, now go with me to uh, Matthew 14. Matthew 14. Matthew, for some reason, tells us the middle of the story at the end. He's doing a flashback. Okay, At this time, Herod the Tetrarch heard re- reports about Jesus, and he said to his attendants, This is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead. There is no, mor- no This is why miraculous powers are at work in him. So they're trying to explain. Um, what happened to John? Herod had arrested John and bound him and putting him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. So we know that John had a powerful ministry, and we know from other Gospels that when John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus began his ministry. The issue is, as is you're languishing in prison, your expectation was God's going to put all things to rights. So he's going to deal with these Roman authorities who are oppressing Israel and has put Israel in exile. So you're you're sitting in a smelly, rat infested, fungus ridden, moldy ridden prison cell, and what you thought would happen is God dealing with these unjust people has not happened yet. So you grow discouraged while you're in prison. And so that's what prompts the question. When John heard in prison what Jesus was doing, I love the ESV translation, when John heard in prison the deeds of the Messiah. That's probably the better, I'm reading from NIV, but it's probably the better, clearer translation. When John heard of the deeds of the Messiah. In other words, he heard what Jesus was doing, and he recognized that he was the Lamb, and he saw the works that he was doing, he recognized that messianic passages in the Old Testament were starting to be fulfilled. He sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who was to come? Are you truly the Messiah? Or should we expect someone else? So in other words, Jesus, I know when I baptized you, I said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I have to admit I'm in prison and I'm languishing. Some of the things that I thought would happen to change the government, to bring judgment to the world, haven't happened yet. So, in his discouragement in prison, he comes to a point and he says, "I just are you one? Are you it? Are you really the Christos, the anointed one, the Messiah, the one who's fulfilling all the promises to King David and the covenant of David in Second Samuel seven? Or should I be expecting someone else?" Because this is not the way I expected your kingdom to come. Now, how many times in your life have you asked that of the Lord? This is not what I expected. I expected you to come through in a big and powerful way. I expected this new job, this new relationship, or I expected you to correct this person or bring justice to my situation, and it didn't come in the time, in the manner that you expected. What do we do then? How do we respond then? How do we react then? Jesus replied, "Go back and report." So the words give an eyewitness account to John what you are seeing and hearing. What is it that you're seeing and hearing that's being accomplished by my ministry? The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear. The dead are raised. The good news is preached to the poor. These are just not random reports. He's specifically quoting Isaiah. He's specifically quoting passages from Isaiah's writings to help John understand that the messianic call that he thought that Jesus had is being fulfilled in the very scriptures that he has read, he knows, and probably has memorized. Let's just look at one of them. Okay. Let's go to Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35. This is a um, favorite passage of Israel. A prophetic word that after the exile that they will return and God will do this great work in their midst. And he says, uh, and it's quoted a good bit in the New Testament. In Isaiah 35, 3, Strengthen the feeble hands and steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, "Be strong; do not fear. Your God will come." So here we are in the season of Advent, and Isaiah is telling us not to be afraid, for the Lord is going to come in our midst. And look, He will come, and He will make things right. He will come with vengeance and with divine retribution. He will come to save you. So John didn't get it wrong. What John struggled with was the timing of the judgment. The timing of the Lord bringing justice. He thought it would be more immediate. But what he taught in John, Matthew 4 was completely correct. What people struggled with and what most uh, folks missed in the first century as they were expecting the Messiah to come is they didn't realize he would come twice. They didn't realize he would come once bringing healing, establishes a kingdom, welcoming the lost and the struggling into salvation, finding fullness in God, and then there would be a second coming that would bring judgment and vengeance and put everything to right. And as we said a couple of weeks ago, we're living in that in-between time. We're living in the time of invitation, but then there will be a time at Christ's second coming where he puts all things to right. And notice how he comes in this first coming Verse 5, Isaiah 35, 5. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer in a mute tongue, shout for joy. Water will gush in the wilderness and streams in the desert. So eyes of the blind are healed. The deaf are unstopped, the lame leap. New joy is given to those who can't talk. It's a transformation of what God is doing. He's healing our, our world from its sin. Our world is fallen. every aspect of our a, um, every aspect of our world is affected by sin. Doesn't mean like I say I get sick, doesn't mean because I got sick, I sinned. Now I could have done something dumb and got sick because I sinned. But not all sickness is caused by individual sin. It's caused by a fallen world. Living in a world that's marred and scarred by sin. So we're all affected. Colds and bacteria and viruses, we're all affected by it. The world, in fact, uh, Paul says in Romans 8, that the world groans looking for redemption. It wants healing and restoration. And so the Lord is going to come and fix that. But in the meantime, he started it. He hasn't completed it. But in his starting, in his kingdom coming, he's starting that process and touching lives. In he's, verse 5, the eyes of the blind will be open. The ears of the deaf will be unstopped. The lame will leap like a deer. Tell John, hey, you got that first, first part right. Yes, vengeance will come. Justice will be served. The world will be put to rights. But also remind him, That this kingdom, when it comes, is not just a judgment, but it's restoration, it's healing, it's love, it's forgiveness, it's renewal and and repentance in God. And it's restoration, it's healing and deliverance and salvation, and it's the gospel and it's new joy. Folks, will be able to have an intimate, warm, personal relationship with the God, our Father, our Creator because of what I'm doing in the kingdom I'm bringing. You can have, because of what Christ has done, you can have a personal relationship with the king. Turn with me also to Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61.1. This is often, uh, this text is used at ordinations, mainly because the ordination service is reminding the priests that are called to walk in the footsteps of Christ and that the only way that they can walk in the full steps of Christ is to be anointed by the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah 61.1, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim the freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, favor, and the day of vengeance of our God. Jesus quotes this passage in Luke 4 in the synagogue. When you in the synagogue, the people stood and you sat. And you read the text, the person in authority in that culture sits. Okay, it's reverse in our culture. The person in authority stands, the people sit. And in Jesus' day, he would have unrolled the scroll, read the scroll, and sit. And after you read the scroll, do the lesson reading in the synagogue service, you then explain it. Just like we do. You have a text, you have a sermon. In their day, they would have had, each reading would have had a sermon. Okay. Jesus sits down and says, "I." he is to start the preaching. And he says, I am the text. I am the fulfillment of these verses. And what was their reaction? They tried to throw him off a cliff. But Jesus is saying, I'm fulfilling this. I'm bringing good news and joy and righteousness to those who need to hear it. I am healing those who are broken by life. I am bringing freedom for those who are bound by sin and can't find a way out. I'm finding release from the darkness of being caught up and bound in the prison of our own choices. I'm the one who becomes the Jubilee year, the verse 2, the year of forgiveness and debt-freedness. I bring comfort for those who are struggling and mourning under grief and disappointment. I am the one who fulfills these verses. There's at least three or four more, or five passages more, that I could quote from Isaiah that Jesus is referring to in Matthew chapter 11. The blind receive sight, as we saw. He's Isaiah 35. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor, Isaiah 61. John, I know you're discouraged. I know you're in prison. I know things haven't quite gone to your expectations, but be assured, I'm fulfilling all the messianic promises, all the word that I gave through the prophet Isaiah. I'm meeting that. I'm doing that. I'm working that. I'm fulfilling those verses. So, John, what you said was true. It may not have come in the timing that you expected, but everything that Isaiah, God spoke through Isaiah is coming true in me, and I'm bringing healing. And this is the choice we have to make when we're disappointed and the Lord doesn't meet our expectations the way we had, uh, the way we had planned. Are we going to be scandalized by Jesus, or are we going to thank Him for our disappointment. Thank you that if he's allowing us to be disappointed right now, he has something better. In verse 6, Blessed is the person, man or woman, who does not fall away on account of me. The word fall away is the Greek word scandalize, Skandalize. It's used the same way then as we use it today. Blessed is that who's not scandalized by the way I work in your life. John had an expectation. It didn't come in his timing. He had the right words. He knew the right verses. But it didn't come in the timing that he expected. So, Jesus is saying to John, to the disciples, Blessed are those who don't get uh, scandalized by my timing. Blessed are those who don't get wound up and angry at me when I do not do it exactly the way you planned. Blessed are those who, as many of you know folks, all of you young people know folks who you grew up with in church or your friends at school and all of a sudden life didn't go the way they expected and they're not walking with the Lord right now. And they're scandalized because God didn't do it the way they had planned. The prophecy they were given at a church service didn't click off exactly the way that they had thought it would. It didn't, the the thing they were praying about didn't get answered exactly the way they thought or when they thought it would happen. The issue is, do we trust Jesus to be our sovereign ruler? He's in control of our lives. That he has plans and purposes in all our circumstances, that he's using all our circumstances to mold us into his image, according to Romans 8. Uh-oh. And uh, is he using, are we trusting him that he's using, he's sovereign, he uses our circumstances, our disappointments, and our expectations to help us grow in maturity in Christ? Our choice, just the same choice John had and others who have walked with the Lord, am I going to be scandalized and upset and angry with God when things don't go my way? Or I'm going to thank you for it. Okay, recognize that the Lord has a disappointment. Uh, has an appointment. I'm sorry. In my disappointment, and if I'm being disappointed right now, it's because I trust Him that He has something better. I listen to folks, and I've been a pastor of you all know for many years, and I hear. I can hear that tinge. So one. Being upset. Someone still harboring something in their heart from years gone by because God didn't expect it to do it the way they expected. And John has a choice now. I uh, trust him. The Messiah is coming. He's fulfilling the verses. It didn't quite come in the timing. Everything John said was true. It just did not come in the timing he expected. Am I going to be scandalized that Jesus didn't do it in my timing? Or am I going to trust him and love him and walk with him. I'll be scandalized or I'm going to be thankful. Have a choice. And we'll close with this. First Thessalonians five makes the choice real real clear. Paul's talking to a congregation who's had a lot of struggles and some misunderstandings over the second coming of Christ and its timing and their expectations over the second coming of Christ. John was struggling with the first coming of Christ and expectations. They were struggling with expectations of the second coming of Christ. But the choice is clear and Paul makes it clearly so. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. There's a little blog I like called Gospel ebooks. If you like to read Kindle books, it's just a great place to go. Um, Some... You know, it's, uh, there's a lot of novels that I would never read that they offer. But there's a lot of good books that they offer. And they'll let you know when, say, a 1099 really good Christian books on sale for $2.99 on Amazon Kindle. So it's gospel ebooks books and they'll make it known to you. I'm always surprised whenever I click on that to see what's on sale, what right? Christian, evangelical, or charismatic books are on sale, how many books there are that people are buying It says, what's God's will for your life? How to find God's will for your life? Uh, How to pursue God's will for your life? There's even one this morning, and I saw it when I woke up. He makes it plain. Verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. When things are not the way you want it, it's tough, you're tired, you're hurting, you're confused, you don't know what to do next. The best choice to make first is to thank the Lord for it. When your expectations are not being met, thank the Lord for it. When you're being disappointed just now, thank the Lord for it. When you feel like you're trapped in a prison by Herod and you're all boxed in, thank the Lord for it. Because He has something better for you right now. And through that, you're going to pray continually. This circumstance, this thing, this, uh, this expectation not met, it's going to bring you to the end of yourself. And as you bring it to the end of yourself, you're going to say, I have nowhere else to turn but to you, Lord. And so you're going to just be praying about it all the time. Lord, how can I walk with you? How can I trust you in the midst of this? How can I endure this? How can I get through this? Help me, Lord. I need your strength, your grace, your Holy Spirit. And then what you're going to find is in verse 16. Be joyful always. The satisfaction and renewal of fullness will come in your heart even irrespective of what circumstances you live, you'll find new fulfillment and satisfaction in Jesus, even when sometimes nothing has changed, but your heart has changed because you're able to see that the Lord is working in the midst of your disappointment. He's bringing renewed and deepening relationship with Him through your circumstances. So we want to know what God's will is for our life, The scriptures tell us, plainly, God's will for you is to give thanks. As I give thanks, it will cause me to pray continually because the circumstances that I'm thanking the Lord for is making me more dependent on Him. In verse 17 and then verse 16, as I'm more dependent on Him, I find Him nearer and dearer, and as I do, I find new joy and satisfaction in Him. This is the only way. There's a joke in the Mandalorian where they always say, this is the way. And, uh, and they respond, this is the way. Well, let me tell you, this is the way, okay, for the Christian life to be um, lived in joy and peace in Christ. This is the way. Be joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. Thus Jesus responds to John, I'm fulfilling the text. May might not have be been your expectation, but listen. uh, Jesus says in verse 7, As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes. No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. The Lord affirmed John's ministry. He affirmed him in the midst of his confusion. And he encouraged him and showed that John fulfilled a uh, passage from Malachi. This is the one whom was written, I will send my messenger ahead of you, and who will prepare your way for you? Malachi prophesied there would be a forerunning spokesman who would come before the Messiah and alert the people to his presence. That's what John did. He fulfilled that verse in Malachi. And the Lord is affirming, the Lord Jesus is affirming John's role in fulfilling that verse. Verse 11, I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Even though John the Baptist struggled with some discouragement in prison, and even when you find yourself discouraged or depressed or disappointed, know that the Lord will bless you. He will honor your faith. And he honors John. No one is greater than John. Why is no one greater than John? Because John points to Jesus. Yet, he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him. All those who have experienced Jesus, pointed to Jesus, having a relationship with Jesus, are greater than John the Baptist. So you may have come through some ups and downs in life and had some expectations and frustrations that you're upset about. Let me encourage you to turn those over to Christ. To thank you for it. To say, Lord, I don't always understand it, but I trust you in it. In the midst of that, Lord, I will find you in prayer, and Lord, I will find new joy and satisfaction in you instead of finding my joy and satisfaction in my circumstances. Now let's pray. Father, we thank you that this is the way to walk. This is the way to walk in your spirit. This is the way to find you in intimate relationship with you in the midst of our struggles and our disappointments and our expectations. Lord, this is the way, Lord, help us to remind us, strengthen us, Lord, to be able to say thank you, Jesus. In our deepest disappointments, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Hope to see you next time.